This is gonna be fucking fun. by the one and only Revolution Brewing. I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. Welcome to Socks Type Things slash In the Hole. Uh, our first, I don't know, is this a simulcast? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's its what we've been promising, but you know, whether you like it or not, the White Sox are the gift that never stops giving this, yeah. this season, good we're, or bad. We're finally bringing the White Sox back into the fold, back into the, the warm embrace of In the Hole. Uh, in a combined podcast. Uh, sorry for both for you people that re- that may subscribe to both the podcast feeds because I'm going to release this on both of them. So pardon us as we try to figure out wh- why we're doing this, how we're doing this, what the fuck we're doing. Uh, for this week, you're going to get two copies of the exact same show, but I'll, I'll try to make I'll try to make it interesting somehow graphically or I don't know. We'll, we'll see what I can do, but. Uh, th- yeah, so this is episode 13 of Socks Type Thing, episode 114 of In the Hole. Episode 13, we've been we've been doing uh, jersey numbers for the White Sox. So I, this has to be the Ozzie Guillen no doubt. show, isn't it? I think that was no kind doubt. of a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. We've had a couple no-brainers on the, yeah. on the numbers. So, no, There you go, Sox fans. We, we're not going to let you down. Got to keep that tradition going here no matter what we're doing <laughs> on the Word Hole Media Network over here. Uh, we have a, a critical show for your Chicago White Sox. We are merely an hour before your series against the Cleveland Indians starts uh, this Tuesday evening. Wow. Two hours. Two hours. Dude. We, we will get to that. Oh, sorry. Two hours. I'm, yeah. I'm doing the conversion wrong. Oh, cool. <laughs> and we don't have to rush through this one. There. We don't have to rush through this one the way I thought we were going to have to. We could no. We could take our time and. Break this all down. We'll be breaking that down. We've got, of course, Larusa Palooza developments that we will have a fun time digesting and going over. Uh, of course, Chiromania. I've got some new imaging for that, so be prepared. Uh, beyond that, the Detroit Tigers, my Detroit Tigers, announced that they have a new president of baseball operations. Scott Harris uh, took the podium this afternoon and. I uh, had some interesting things to say. I've got I've got some less interesting things to say about that. But uh, we also have new baseball rules. It's been a while since we did the In the Hole podcast and didn't get a chance to talk about the new rules for 2023. So we'll talk about our our thoughts on those. We've we've kind of already discussed some of these before, but they're official now, so it's real. And we may or may not have an asshole of the week, if I can remember by that. Uh, it's kind of a callback to an old asshole of the week. So we'll see. But I say we go ahead and jump into the news. Now, here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty. That is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Well, um... I don't know. It, this is breaking news in a way, but uh, mm. TLR not only is um, not managing tonight, but he's actually not even at the ballpark, hanging out in a 
in a skybox and enjoying the game, making his notes. He's uh, he's nowhere to be found. So um, the question is, was he forced out of the ballpark or was he uh, requested not to show up or was this of his own volition? It feels Nobody as knows. if it feels <laughs> as if Jerry Reinsdorf has tied the team's hands in 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 allowing them to say anything about the situation, and it's almost it's like fucking Stasi land. Yeah, it's just fucking weird. It's like just pull off the rip off the bandaid, and you you have all the excuses on why he can't come back. Yeah, it would be very simple just to make that announcement. Rick Hahn can step in in front of the podium and say, you know, due to ongoing health concerns, we're not worried about his short-term health or we're not, you know, he's not in dire straits at this moment, but we all decided this would be the best thing to do and move along for the 2022 season. We will address the 2023 season at a later date when we know more about his health status and go from there. It would be the simplest fucking thing to do. And it's all because of, Number one, TLR's stubbornness. He could he could just decide this right now that he's not coming back. Number two, Jerry won't step in and make make his best buddy do that. So here we are. <laughs> Whatever. He's not at the game tonight, though. So we don't we don't really need to talk about that, I guess. But no, but um, you just did the perfect lead-in to La Rusa Palooza. When was the last time you saw somebody intentionally walked on one and two? I mean, is that really a question? You know who this is? This is uh, LaRusso. Put the car in park! I'm legitimate. Team owner Jerry Reinsdorf knew about this DUI when he offered him the job. Is there, is there some question whether that was a good move or not? Yes! I'm sure most people in White Sox Nation saw this. Um, I know I shared it out on there. It had Twitter Dude. trending Tony Larusa. Yes, but Ken Rosenthal, when the great athletic, and uh, I'm sure they probably got a couple subscriptions out of it, at least a mm. free trial to read it, um, did an open letter to Tony Larusa that kind of blew my mind in the fact that it was <laughs> there was so much stuff that we're about to get into that we have speculated on this show that we have outright questioned on this show. That I felt was like Ken so- Redder was like listening to the podcast last <laughs> week and just wrote a letter saying what <laughs> yeah, we maybe. were trying to say right to him. He got that. He's got the conduit much better conduit. I, I doubt TLR listens to socks type thing, but uh, maybe he does, but the better, a better way to do it is have Ken Rosenthal get the world talking about it. So yeah. Thank and, you, Ken. And everyone, it was, I mean, it was, it it was covered. It was such, it was so well-written and mm. definitely to, well, not that, he, and he always, <laughs> he's always well-written. Uh, I shouldn't say like, it's like surprisingly, but it, it really encapsulated me as a White Sox fan, my feelings. And it, it was almost as if he was a fan of the Sox, but I know it was written as he's just a, a fan of, doing what is right for logic. a baseball team logic yes. and and that but that's what makes it even more amazing if you really think about it i mean ken's not a white Sox fan he loves baseball right mm. but for the love of the, it's like for the love of the game just walk away yeah it's so, almost I, yeah, I, I thought it was remarkable that you know he he writes columns and he breaks news and other things but 
this was direct. I mean, this was an open letter. The, the title was an open letter to Tony La Russa, yes. which is just like, I mean, just literally calling him out, which was, I guess, remarkable, but. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I don't want to, we could, you could literally talk about this thing for yeah, we could, we could we do could, a whole show about a whole it, show on it, but let's get to, uh, I mean, I kind of like, I think we have some, done a whole show about it. It's just, yeah, it's just now, now it's, now it's now in the it, real news. Yeah. Uh, like right away, the first thing he attacks is his um, not being able to accept probably that someone's doing a better job than him, which mm. exactly is why, to your point, Smitty, we haven't seen him come on and say, you know, uh, I'm I'm stepping away from the game again, you know, for health reasons. Yeah, because he's struggling with it. It's not, it's not his demeanor. It's not who he is. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, and we've covered this, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on it, but it's exactly why he said what he said when he was arrested for the DUI mm-hmm. and exactly the way he acts like he acts in the press when they ask him logical questions. And he says, is that even a question or like, why are you even questioning mm-hmm. me? I'm Tony fucking La Russa. Yeah. Um, uh, the next thing that, you know, another thing he called him out on right away too in the, in the first call paragraphs was his lack of accountability and communication with the players. And that was sort of um, played off of, you know, what in that, at that point in time, what Miguel Cairo had, you know, was, you know, seen walking up and down the bench during the game and things like that, things that, that Scott Merkin had pointed out, he had never even seen before, yeah. you know, when La Russa was there. So it was, it was a new thing and we'll get more into uh, <laughs> Miguel Cairo uh, during Cairo mania. Um, but uh, a huge call out to me was we had been saying for two years now, where are the coaches in all this? Right. Mm. Like, like Tony makes these decisions and the coaches, his coaches have to have some accountability for this. Like we were like, we're, I remember like the, the Liam Hendricks last year on second base running. Yeah. Like why he, he yeah. was, he was a free removal. You, it wasn't gonna, he didn't have to come out of the game as a pitcher. He, he just, he was, he yeah. was a, a free replacement. He didn't know the rule. And I, I, and I was, I'm like, well, the, the coaching staff has to be held accountable for that too. What you find Nay. out in this letter is he works as Ken called it a fiefdom, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the exact term he used, but wow. I'm going to read this part. Like this is, this is the most, I've, there's, there's two things I wanted to read verbatim. Cool. Most staffs today are highly collaborative. Your style is more, his style is more for autonomous. Some coaches were okay with that, I'm told. Others were not. Your emphasis on hits and contact ran counter to the hitting coach's goals for achieving power through patience. You have brought this up on the last three Sox-type things. I think that's specific point, too. Yeah, so that exactly. A... Yeah, that's what blew my mind. I was like, you're, and to your point. Like, They're listening to the goddamn podcast. I'm, exactly. I'm convinced. <laughs> and then this one. Cairo cited his respect for you. And when I say you, it's he's this is the Tony. open letter to Tony. So his respect for Tony in explaining why he refrained from calling out the team sooner, sooner. Mm. Clearly, he did not feel empowered, empowered to take a stand. I mm-hmm. mean, so basically La Russa came in, he brought these very knowledgeable guys in, and some are left over. Like we yeah. do remember 
the Sox set a home run record in a month when Frank Manichino was the hitting coach in 2020 under Rick Renteria. <laughs> but then his legs got taken out from under him and the Sox power dwindled, dwindled, dwindled. And then Tony goes away and the power's back because yeah, they're we, listening to the hitting coach. Well, and we talked about the mixed messaging that they've been getting, you know, the one message from their hitting coach and another message from the, from TLR that, that Ken Rosenthal perfectly enumerated right there. So it's amazing how many things we talked about are, were, are corroborated by a respectable and uh, the ultimate baseball journalist right there. So yeah, it always makes me feel good. Patting ourselves and on the th- back here. Yeah, no, I mean, I know we are, right? But we're <laughs> we're amateurs. We are not professionals. We do this because no. we love it, right? We If we didn't like it, we would stop doing it. If it, w- it became a chore or whatever, we'd stop doing it. we hated doing this and we kept doing this for a while. Well, I'm not sure, just not for, sure what for, that would say about our psyche, but self-punishment. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know. To, to, to <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, like. That's the only reason we do this, right? We have passions for our teams. We're we're passionate about baseball, but we're right. We're saying the same things that these experts are saying, and that just always makes me smile. So, <laughs> anyway, enough tooting my own horn. Enough. The other thing, um, in particular, has been we talk. We call it the wrath of Han, and just a uh, uh, as Smitty Smitty uh, coined that brilliantly uh, back in the day a few a few years ago, because everything bad that's uh, happened to the White Sox seemed to have followed along with Rick Hahn. Just a everything he of touches bad luck. turns to shit. Yeah, but this is this is an interesting take. Um, this is about the team the team injuries and 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 like running to first injuries and other White Sox people think the team's rash of soft tissue injuries perhaps stem in part from players' lax approach. Not always running hard, then asking too much for their muscles in short bursts. Such mm-hmm. analysis is purely anecdotal, but the inner the in, the um inference the inference the, the inference, excuse me, was clear. A team takes on the personality of its manager uh-huh. did not hold the players to a high enough standard. Wow. And again, we said the same exact <laughs> thing. We said he's sleepy Larusa. That's how the team plays. I mean. Mm-hmm. The team is not playing that way right now. We're going to talk about it in, in a few minutes. Like if it's enough, I don't know that it is. The math just gets harder and harder every week we come back, but at least they're fun to watch right now. That's what I'll say. And just one last thing, which I thought, which we've said from kind of from day one, honestly, I'm a, you know, I love the socks. I wanted to give, TLR as much leash as I could. And I gave him a lot of leash last year. I, I defended him a lot last you did. year. And they did win 90. It was good for games. the podcast because yeah. I could I could yeah. blow you up for your defense. <laughs> it was count counterpoint. And yeah. uh, you know, in, in hindsight, you were right. Um, but <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> he calls out Reinstorf and TLR for their lack of self-awareness mm. by Jerry asking him to manage and by TLR accepting it, not even realizing like, like, you know, the game has passed you by. These are different types of players. Now they need to be treated differently. And you know, the, the disturbing part of it, which we've talked about on here, you bring up 
uh, over and over again, which is true. He, they have now jeopardized the competitive window of the White Sox by mm-hmm. bringing TR here. And, it, and, and Ken goes on to say it's a disservice to the front office, the coaches, the players, and the fans. And, and that's 100% true. So I think that, that stems from some systemic arrogance by you know both Reinsdorf and TLR. The arrogance, oh, yeah. you, like the arrogance you just mentioned by TLR, just saying, you know, I'm doing this job. I can do this, even though I've been out for 10 years and I don't need to know. I don't need to keep up, up on the new trends or know how to deal with millennials or anything like that. But it's also the the arrogance by Jerry Reinsdorf thinking that that he had a team that was just turnkey, that anybody could step in as manager and they would just go to the World Series. I, I feel like he thought he thought that was that was the case. It didn't not that he thought he certainly thinks the most of his best buddy, but I don't think he really was concerned about the him affecting their chances in any way. And I just think that that just brings up arrogance on his part as well. Yeah. I, it, huge mistake. This would go down as the greatest coincidence in baseball history. <laughs> if Tony leaving and the Sox uh, ascending was, was coincidence. I don't think it is. Cause look at the other teams. I mean, it's a that's pretty one big thing coincidence. We did, well, that's one thing we didn't even, we haven't even mentioned the fact that, okay, Joe Girardi gets fired and Philly takes off and they're, mm. they're, they're in the playoffs. They're, yeah. they're, they're in the playoff hunt, right? They're right there. Um, who was, who was the, uh, Toronto, Toronto was, was yeah, nearly at 500. Montoya. They got rid of him. They're in the playoffs. You know, they were on the verge of not being in the playoffs. So, I mean, the Sox happened too late. Yeah. Those now, moves happen. Those moves you just mentioned happened in July, I think. So, this uh, unforeseen move didn't happen until September. So that's why you're in the yeah. state you're in. And I think there's one person or, or one group we need to thank dearly uh, for, for Tony not being there. And that's the people who installed his pacemaker. Mm. Um, because finally some light was truly shed. I, yeah. We were speculating re- recklessly on the last well, type thing about how this, how this was working, but yeah, I mean, I've I still love the idea that he got really wasted at the golf outing the day before and <laughs> insulted people, but maybe that's not the case because um, in a Bob Nightingale article that um, uh, basically was um, really highlighting Cairo uh, Miguel Cairo's uh, ascent into the managerial position, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, he did open up with kind of clearing up what actually went down and, and why La Russa was at the park at one point that day mm. and, then, and then suddenly disappeared. And it was Smitty brought this up last week uh, that his mom uh, has a pacemaker and my um, mom, not Tony La Russa's mom. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> when a pacemaker was mentioned, I, I just have some experience with it just because my mom has it. And then it was revealed that uh, TLR had his. Uh, implant implanted uh in at the mayo clinic in in uh is it rochester minnesota that's the same place my mom got hers so i have a feeling they have almost the exact same pacemaker that it actually relays data to doctors you know if there's if there's an event of any sort they have a, a complete history of of the activity of his heart uh they have it for my mom so i'm sure he's got the same technology uh but yeah, it's it, they can see exactly what's going on with your heart when it, I don't know that it transmits all the time, uh, but they can you can come in for a, a tune up or a checkup and they can read the data 
and see if you've had events. And apparently he had some significant events. Yeah. And they had been alerted to it. Um, obviously it must've occurred. The transmission must've occurred at some point, you know, maybe they get, I think that was a Monday game. Maybe they get them every Monday or something. And, and they, they called there and basically were like, you cannot manage the game tonight. You need to, you know, get back here and, and get this thing adjusted and we need to check you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went on to say that, you know, he had been cleared for travel and he looked better and in good spirits at the Oakland game for Dave Stewart. But there, there is still more confusion on that or at least confusion on my part or poor reporting maybe or maybe i just missed it but yeah he did fly to arizona immediately right to to go see his doctors but nightingale reported that he got his pacemaker from the mayo clinic in minnesota so i mean they can all talk to each other i guess so i was i was confused about that like where you know it's just all part of the the issue where they're not being transparent about things or why it's just why we've been openly speculating about all this and it's you know it has been reported now but it's still it's still confusing it's just it's just a layer of mystery to this which is you know it involves HIPAA of course but yeah. it also involves a baseball team that millions of people are paying attention to uh and you know there's there's some significant uh things that people need to know to understand what's going on with their fucking team so I believe there's a bourbon called pacemaker. So maybe that's where the confusion comes in. <laughs> yes. That's why you could still speculate as much as you want. Cause as, as much as Bob shed a little more light on the situation to your point, Smitty, there is still some confusion there on, I mean, maybe they have the ability to tune it up elsewhere. I don't know. It's none of my, and actually, really, none of our business. At the end of the day, I'm happy he's alive. You know, I, I, I you know, I'm not. Yeah, that's the disclaimer. Everyone that's ever talked yeah. or written about TLR over the last three weeks, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. But you're yeah, a fucking Ken, asshole. Ken, Ken opened up with, "I hope you're doing well, Tony." But now, fuck off, basically. <laughs> so, as Tony fucks off. Uh, Bob got into really the, the, the crux of the article was really about the spirit of Miguel Cairo and how he's just woke the team up after that, uh, that loss. We like the, to call the- it Cairomania. Cairo's going for three. Miguel Cairo, a grand slam. Cairo with another deep drive to left in his second home run of the Five long, miserable months, the White Sox finally playing the way they envisioned all along. Miguel Cairo may only be an interim manager, but it was his fiery speech that woke them up. If you don't want to be here, then get the fuck out. That's right. Cairo Mania! <laughs> um, after that uh, loss in Seattle, he basically called the players in and he said, if you don't want to be here, then get the fuck out. He didn't basically say that. That's exactly yeah. what he said. That's a quote. It was bleeped out. Or I think he put expletive. It says expletive. Yeah. Yeah. He said, if you don't want to be out. get the fuck out. And everyone was just like, they just had not been talked to that way. Right. Yeah. And, um, that's you know, got to be a t-shirt. I, I should put that. I should put that up on uh socks type thing.com or major league a hole. No. Major League, no, it's uh, aesthetics.shop or dot store. God, I forgot all these things. 
Uh, I don't have a t-shirt up yet, but <laughs> regardless, but maybe once I figure out the fucking URL, I'll have a t-shirt up there. Yeah. There might be a t-shirt up at some place. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> with aesthetics in there. So, um, <laughs> visit that soon. A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S dot store. Um, yeah. So, you know, the play, a lot of players commented on it. And this is where like, you really start to see how little control TLR had, had on the clubhouse and how much of a, him being a non-factor was a factor him being like, Mm -hmm. you know, these are players, they know what to do. They're going to go about their business. Now. I mean, as much as, as, as great as the White Sox have been playing, like, mostly overall they they still have some things they can't get over splitting with colorado going to two extra inning games against the tigers only winning one of those i mean losing one to the tigers is bad is bad enough but right so i mean there there's there's the team still is not perfect they still have defensive problems but they are in it's been 19 games, right? Since he's taken yeah, 13 over and six. And six, 13 and six, which, which is a, a, a nice winning percentage, but you know, might not be good enough. We'll get into that in a second. Um, Liam, yeah, just a couple quotes from that article, which was interesting. Liam Hendricks uh, said it was eye opening to some of the guys who have never really been told no. So that was, that's what I thought was interesting mm-hmm. that there was really no, repercussions for their actions it was all sort of always forgiven by tony it was almost like that players the the he was like a player's manager type of thing that's that may be why he didn't really come under a lot of scrutiny from the guys because he wasn't really busting them he was kind of just defending their actions taking what ever someone told him and just saying like, okay, that's fine. Josh Harrison went on to say, he also had, uh, let me put it to you this way. You can tell your kids something and they don't listen. Someone else tells them the same thing and they get the message. It's put up or shut up time. Mickey has done a great job bringing energy to the team. So, I mean, again, there's a, there's a few more quotes from that article, but again, the, the like, message is clear. The everyone's, message is clear that everyone's that, happier and the team is much better without TLR and with Miguel Cairo. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a uh, kudos to Bob. Bob wrote a, a pretty uh, decent article. There. We give him you know, a lot have, of shit. We give him a lot of shit, but I want to give him some credit here. He actually reported something of uh, worthiness uh, yeah. about the White Sox. So so kudos to him. Um, the question is, though, as we uh, were an uh, hour and a half, doesn't yeah. matter. We're about an hour and a half away from finding that out. So it's about time we took a, a, a look at what is ahead of the White Sox, really. And as 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 much as it seems like, Two losses over a week that included a win, uh, a convincing win over the Guardians. Yeah. It was was a good week. It was not a good week because the Guardians have been basically unstoppable. And the Sox needed some help from the Twins, and they got one game out of them out of five. They got nothing. I think I feel like the put the poker in the Twins, they're done. Yeah, that's over. Um, And there's already been speculation I read today that my worry last week that 
the twins were getting healthy and Buxton would be back when they played the White Sox and all that. They're probably not going to bring any of these guys back at this point. Yeah. Risking further injury to them, anything lingering, anything that could affect next season. So it's just you and the Guardians. It's us and the Guardians and the Guardians versus Tampa Bay, which could help us out a lot. So a couple things. One I want to bring up is we are caught up now. So there's no the loss column and the win column, everything's even. They've played the same amount of games. They have the same amount of games left. So we don't have to do any cipher in here anymore. Thank God. We do I have to do means. a little bit, but yeah, you're four yeah. games, four games back, still four games back in the loss column. The the confusing part is the tiebreaker. Uh you're actually still five games back because Cleveland right now holds the tiebreaker uh, to go. There is no game 163. So the head to head record is the first tiebreaker. What changes though, is if you do sweep the series this week, you will take the season series. So there you own the tiebreaker. So in a way you're five games back, but in another way you're four games back. So I just, I just conf- uh, confused all your simple math, but no, you're right. You're right. Essentially, that's, just that's sweep exactly. the fucking series is what it comes yeah. down to. So tonight, you, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, if you don't, then it kind of is all mute. There's, there's ways for you to to get back into it, but the simplest path, at least for us, uh, math who the, those of us who struggle with math, just sweep the fucking series. Yeah, the path of least resistance is sweeping yes. the series. We have a pretty good chance to take game one, but. There's a reason we play these games. Aaron Savali, two and six with a 5-4-0. ERA against the master Cy Young candidate Dylan Cease tonight, 14 and seven with a 2-1-6 ERA. Now you Thinks need to pat, pat yourself on the back about this too, because you pointed out last week this is what the White Sox were doing to set up their rotation for this series. When yeah, people I, were freaking out on White Sox Twitter, why was it that Lance Lynn wasn't pitching or was pitching? No, or no, no. It, it, was, but. it was initially so the the they freaked out that Cease didn't get pushed back for the makeup game. Mm. And I said at the very beginning, because they all thought Gio Gonzalez, Gonzalez, that Giolito was pitching. And right away, I was like, it's not Gio pitching. It's Lance Lynn pitching. They're just, the last time Cease had an extra day of rest, he was complete shit. He made he made it through five innings of that so, game. And indeed, he, Lance Lynn pitched in the in the and, makeup and the, game. And now and the rotation is set up perfectly for this series. Right. You we get what would be playoff rotation. Mm-hmm. I got my lucky new socks, my motherfucking <laughs> socks medallion, thanks to Riot Fest. Yeah, this is a podcast, but yes. If you're watching. Check check us out on YouTube so you can see Pete's fancy medallion. I'm gonna wear this all night tonight. I almost came on with the basketball jersey on too uh, to really bring my thug life through. That's the but... first thing I thought of when you told me about the, or I saw the the photo you texted me of the medallion. I'm like, he's he's gonna wear that goddamn basketball jersey, but I didn't even mention it, hoping you wouldn't get the idea. But apparently, you got put, the idea. But the I but did. Had... I put it on as a little snug. I got a yeah. I got a lot of summer <laughs> beer weight from all these concerts <laughs> and baseball. So you were spared because of my my own vainness. Um, <laughs> Christ. Uh, tomorrow's pitching matchup, Tristan McKenzie versus mm. Lance Lynn. Um, the Sox were able to actually finally kind of get to McKenzie the last time he was out. So that's a good sign. Also, the, the he's closing, been really good this year, though. I mean, in, yeah, overall, he has been really so good yeah, overall. That's a hell of a matchup. 
And then the closer is Bieber versus Cueto. Now also Bieber Bieber ran into some problems with the Sox the last time they faced Mm, them. That That doesn't mean it's a new game. It's a new day. But, you know, I mean, everything is just perfect. It just totally feels like a playoff series. You know, what's on the line, the way the rotations have lined up. It's just couldn't be better. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I want them to sweep it. Yeah, it, it seems like they had the right vibe to sweep. It's kind of funny. The Sox won their their last game against the Tigers 11 to five and then. <laughs> the guardians put an 11 to four hurt on the twins. So they're yeah. both coming in after having scored a lot of runs. So, uh, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, it should be a great series. Nonetheless, um, I'll be tuning in. Yeah. So, you know, we had talked about, you know, everyone out there real quick, we had talked about maybe just waiting to try to do this until after the series. Cause that is going to decide so much. Uh, yeah. Of 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 whether or not the taps music starts playing in the background or not, but you should know more about the fate of your Chicago White Sox after these three fateful days. I would say by Thursday around ten o'clock, we'll uh, Central Standard Time. We'll, we'll have a feeling. But before we move off the White Sox, one quick final, sometimes staple segment of this is an a hole poll, and mm. it's no, it's no uh, mystery that Lewis Robert has not been himself since he injured his wrist. In fact, sometimes he looks like he can barely swing the bat. Yeah. So I threw a poll out there. I said, "Should Lewis Robert be playing?" It seems like an instant out at the plate. So what should the Sox do at this pivotal moment? The choices were rest him, let him play, or IL him and call up Colas. Mm-hmm. So I got we got 25 votes, Smitty. Coming nice. in at last place at 12% was rest him. 20% was let him play. And 68% said, put him on the IL and get Oscar Colas up here, yeah. which is what I expected the answer to be. Yeah. Um, I kind of loaded it. I expecting, I assumed that would be what most people voted for. Um, I think the Sox have chosen not to bring him up to let him continue to get the training and seasoning necessary to start a 2023 campaign with us. All right. I mean, they haven't had, they haven't tick, had power. Tick, tick. They, they haven't had power problems as of late, so it's not. It's true, but I mean, you're fighting with one hand behind your back if you're not going to utilize all the resources you have available to you. So, whatevs. Well, I think I think for you don't know how he's going to do against major league pitching, but I would say the you know how plus, Robert's going to be doing. No, no, no. Can just let me finish for a second. Right. The one plus <laughs> he would be is because every time they don't play Robert you're going to end up with the corner outfield of Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. And one thing Colas would bring would then you would, it would allow you to have a real outfielder out there along with AJ mm. Pollock. That's so that I think from a, even more so like a defensive yeah. <laughs> standpoint, it, good point. it may have been better, but. But yeah, I know you know what you well, we're gonna find out tonight because he is batting seventh or eighth tonight. I saw so oh boy. he is in the lineup tonight. So we'll see. We'll see if he makes it through the game. But with that, I think it's time to switch over to a little in the hold and a little breaking news out of Detroit. Wow, we can stop talking about the White Sox finally. Whew. Oh, it was only like 
40 minutes. That's, yeah, a that's pretty, that'd be, that'd be a short socks type thing. So I think we made the right decision combining podcasts this week. So mercifully we will transition over to my Detroit <laughs> Tigers. Marky Anderson has joined us. First of all, how do you feel? I feel great, Mark, but let me tell you this. I'm stupid. Chris just grab a nacho. I think he took somebody's nacho. He's doing on something. You know, a little mid-game snack. Magnum P.I., right? Use him for an example, right? Here he is. He carries a Detroit hat around. He's talked about me on the show. And Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell go on the show. Why doesn't someone say, how come we don't have Mark Fitch on the show? I don't know if that's merciful talking <laughs> about the Tigers, but okay. There's actually some some big news, breaking news over the last few days. Uh, hopefully, very positive news. I feel pretty good about it. But a previously unknown to me, Scott Harris was named the Detroit Tigers' new president of baseball operations. Uh, he should have been known to me and to you because he spent time in both the Cubs organization and the San Francisco Giants. He was director of baseball operations for the Cubs for their 2016 world championship. Uh, I was thinking about that title. That's, I mean, titles have kind of shifted in, in baseball over the last few years, usually. And it's a little bit different with every organization is white Sox are an example, or this isn't true, but the president of, of baseball operations is essentially what the GM used to be. The guy that's really pulling the strings. The GM is now an assistant GM what an, what you think of as an assistant GM. So I'm thinking the like the Cubs at that point their director of baseball ops was like the assistant to the assistant GM, like a step right. below that kind of kind of like just below the the holy trinity as I used to call Theo Epstein and company, Theo Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod. Uh I think Scott Harris is just below that out, out of the limelight, but he was part of that world championship organization. Uh, he then parlayed that in 2018 into the general manager position at your San Francisco Giants, uh, which we, you and I kind of went back and forth about his track record there, whether he could he could take credit for that 107 win season last year, or he should be taking blame for their sub 500 performance this year, or if he had anything to do with it compared to their president of baseball, baseball ops, Farhidi. Well, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, yeah, so. I mean, it's definitely, I think you said it best. The, the giants are sort of like the uh, Theo Jed relationship where, yeah, where the, the president gets more coverage than the GM. So it's, yeah, the GM is essentially a, what, what you think of as an assistant GM is, is the way I can right. equate it. But so the the resume is interesting. It's certainly a, a major league a holes resume. He's he's doing the whole circuit. Now he's just gotta uh, bring a championship to the Tigers, and then he can move on to the the A's, <laughs> and eventually the White Sox. So he can go go through all five teams. But uh, interesting hire. Uh, I would I had you know we speculated. I speculated about a month ago. Uh, you know what kind of candidates might be available to the tigers what kind of time frame it's a little interesting time frame first of all you know we're not completed we have not yet completed the season but tigers already found their man you know they've been conducting interviews obviously uh you know they hired away a general manager during the season and i guess that's possible just because 
you know, your, your giants aren't really in the, in the hunt anymore. So that season is over. Yeah. They weren't too concerned about 2022 anymore and, and did, did the tigers the favor and allowed him to interview for, for a vertical promotion. And apparently he blew, blew them away. Uh, 35 years old, uh, very young. Uh, that, that kind of speaks to the, the smallish resume, but still an impressive resume to have those kind of positions and those kind of organizations already. Uh, he's a Northwestern. He's got degree, degrees from Northwestern and Columbia University. I uh, like that. So immediately, and he, you know, of course, is under the tutelage of Theo Epstein. So you think of him as just a complete analytics nerd, which is definitely a part, a large part of his background. But uh, he is he is uh, known to be kind of the hybrid, in, certainly into the analytics, but also into traditional scouting and, and other things. Which that's that's where I land. I, I think I think that that that's where you know the best GMs and presidents they don't put all their eggs in one basket. They take all the resources available to them and use them appropriately. Whether it's a lot of a lot of analytics, that's great. Use that as a tool, but don't ignore the scouting and the, and the human element, uh, you know, perceptions and, and how that can all be worked together. And it seems like that's, that's kind of his direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just giving you shit. I mean, yeah. to be honest, it is a really good hire because if you think about, you brought up the Theo Epstein part of it, but the Ferran Sadi part of it, he was the assistant GM when the athletics were pretty decent from 2011 to 2014. Then speaking of poaching, the giants poached him away from the, the Dodgers. He was their general manager from mm -hmm. 2014 to 2018. So he's been working under your new president of baseball operations has been work or president of base is a baseball yeah. operation. Yeah. He has been basically working under two great minds yeah. for a long time with a ton of knowledge that he's been able to sit there and learn from. And to your point, it didn't go good for, for the Giants this year. He was, as you, as you said, with that yeah. guy, it's hilarious. I, you can't, I couldn't argue with it. I'll take a 107 win season and figure out the rest after that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, let's be honest, like that was kind of magic in a bottle, but they still assembled that team and got the right. best out of that team that they could. So a lot of kudos. Like I said, I was just giving you shit. No, I know. But, but I really do think, I think you need a young guy with a progressive mind in there. Cause you had an old guy with a deteriorating mind in yes. there before him. The, the phrase going around, uh, Detroit these days is ABA anybody but Avila. Uh, <laughs> so literally another, any another shirt <laughs> at this. Yeah, exactly. At this, at this point, any hire they made was going to be an improvement in my mind, considering the track record of Al Avila. Uh, again, I'm not going to, I'm not doing victory laps here. I don't know that much about Scott Harris other than the resume I just spewed out, but I like I like the idea. I like the I like the youth. I like the the you know certainly the a modern approach to baseball. Uh, seems very measured. He did remind me very much in his press conference today of Theo Epstein. The way he spoke, the terminology he used, the the fact that he he couldn't get backed into a corner by savvy reporters trying to get him to say the word rebuild. Or what's what's he going to do with Miguel Cabrera? He he skillfully maneuvered his way out of those things, but without being off-putting or anything like that. So he had an impressive 
uh, introductory press conference this afternoon, he he enumerated three bullet points that are going to be his philosophy for the Tigers. And you hear these all the time, you know, it's kind of double speak and in just kind of generalities. And he, he got into that, but he did get a little specific. His first one is he, he wants to build around young players, which is, that's great, you know, but it kind of also states that uh, we're, he's, I'm not sure you could interpret that many ways, but that kind of says well, this is kind of a rebuild. I mean, it, it's got to be uh, just with a brand new general manager. He's going to he's going to take the resources they have and maximize those and see see what they need to do from there. But um, again, it was general enough where it, he doesn't he's not backed into a corner on anything. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to go in there. They're going to reassess all the talent. And then we're going to start seeing probably, I mean, it may not be sweeping changes, but we're going to see some changes. We're yeah, going to see gonna some see guys plenty. get moved. We're going to see guys get moved, moved out. Um, It'll I mean, be interesting just, to see what it, he can trade, you know, if this is in trades or what they do in free agency, yeah. but they do have young players to build around already uh, in, in the pitching staff and, and on the field. So uh, his second point was they were going to maximize development, which is another platitude. Anybody can say that, you know, that's kind of a general thing. Yeah, of course, the, the resources you have available to you building through building young players up, you need to maximize every opportunity in, through that development. What I found interesting was his third point, and he got extremely specific here, which I think it was, it was kind of fun. He, he says... Uh, they are going to focus 100% on the strike zone. And yeah, that's, I, I get what he, I know exactly what he's talking about there. They want, he wants to control the strike zone on both sides of the plate. Yep. And I, I, you know, that, that's, you, you hear about that all the time, but I, I thought that was fascinating that that's his third, the third uh, pillar of his platform for Tiger's success is that specific control the strike zone on both sides of the plate. Uh, that is th- the thought process being there. The strike zone controls everything else that happens on the field. And if you can, if you dominate the strike zone on both offense and through your pitching staff, you are going to, you're going to do quite well. So, you know, whatever that means, I just thought that was interesting that he got that specific. Um, I don't, I don't know that's, that's a necessarily the best thing to throw out there or the worst thing. I think I would have been disappointed if he says something as simple as, we're going to focus on defense and nothing else. I think I might be a little bit more yeah. deflated tonight. Uh, while defense is important, I don't think it controls the game the same way the strike zone does. So I thought that was interesting. I hadn't I hadn't heard it put in that way. I hadn't heard any general manager mention that in their inter, uh, introductory press conference. So that he got that specific. I think I think it was by design that he just kind of threw out some general platitudes and then then got real specific. So I, I enjoyed that. So. Yeah, I I think he might have said that. I mean, this is my opinion when I read that was that the Tigers have been shut out like 21 times this year. They're setting some like Tiger records in abysmal offense Mm -hmm. and their pitchers don't consistently throw balls for strikes. They walk a lot of batters. So like those Mm. are the those are the glaring, you know, those are like glaring issues for the team. the hitters not controlling the in the strike zone is, is probably the biggest issue. And I, you almost think when he said that he had Javi Baez in his mind when he was saying that, because he is the worst at controlling the strike zone as we've, we've broken down many times over the years. 
yeah. his career with the Cubs and the Tigers. So you wonder if that speaks directly to him, if that means, you know, figure this out or we're going to, we're going to trade you somehow. I don't know. Um, that might be some good fodder for off season talk. What, what, how, and if Javi Baez is tradable even with that contract and this horrific performance this year, I think it's going to be the worst year of his career. Uh, I would say do not trade him at this point because he is at the lowest point of his value that he's had in quite some time. So uh, wait, I've talked about that forever with the with trading the how the Cubs traded off all of their assets. Just got to wait until they, they actually are producing a little bit rather than trading them when they are at the worst of their value. When you're so angry, you want to fans want to make them, you know, the the uh, pay for their sins or whatever. We're going to trade you because we're angry, which is just illogic and bad business. So hopefully that's not the case. But I, I immediately when he did say control the strike zone on both sides of the plate, I thought of Javi Baez. So overall, like I said, you know, we are not winning the AL central just because of this higher necessarily in 2023, but I, I think it's a step, a step in the right direction. I very uh, curious and excited to see what Scott Harris does next. Well, that's it for my tigers. And maybe that's it for the season for my tigers. I don't think we'll be talking about them a whole lot more in these last couple of weeks. So what we will be talking about uh, going forward is what's going to happen in 2023. And we got a little window into that last week uh, with the new rules that were officially approved for 2023. Exciting news. The game of bait for those of you who, who can't sit there for three to three and a half hours, you're going to be happy. <laughs> we got a pitch clock. That's we got rule a, number one. Yeah. Um. What are your thoughts on the pitch clock? Every you want to break how you want to do this? Should we break down every aspect of it? Because there is one aspect of it I don't like. So well, go ahead. I mean, I don't, explain what it is. We've got the 15 seconds. Uh pitch has to be thrown every 15 seconds with no runners on. There's 20 seconds with runners on. I think the batter has to be in the box with nine seconds left. So this is eight. Is it eight? Okay. So this is putting pressure on both the batter and the pitcher to stop fucking around between pitches and get it done. You know, we the the studies came out with this rule implemented in the minor leagues that it saved it shaved off a, a half hour average off games. Which that's not that's not like ruining the game, it's not taken away from the game. That's literally downtime in the game that just didn't need to be there. So I don't think anyone's going to complain after after you see how this impl- is implemented and how how it uh, how it actually works, I think people are going to forget about it and realize it is such such a more more entertaining and uh, engaging game when you're not watching dudes walk around the mound scratching their balls and adjusting wow. the, adjusting their batter's gloves. But I mean, there are there are unintended consequences potentially with any rule change, and not everyone's going to be on board necessarily. But you you had a you had one issue that I'm probably I, not thinking of. Well, I do have one issue, and my issue is. And, and it may not even be a factor, but so you've got a pitch clock now. So, and I, and it seems every, I, one, one thing I'd like to say about all three of these rules that are implemented, they all seem to favor more offense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you could only throw over to first twice, thus being after the second throw over, it's almost like not being held on. And well, I just think that takes that changes the game too drastically. 
Well, what you'll see what happens is you're going to get one throw over and then you're going to have, you're going to have, uh, you know, questions whether that second throw over is going to happen. So I think, I think that irons itself out. Um, we'll see. And they've, at least they've studied this. They're not just throwing it out there and see that is true. See yeah. what's happened. If, if it wrecked the game in the minors where they tested it, they wouldn't have done it. So I think, I think that stuff kind of works itself out. I think that it's a valid point to bring up. And it would be if, if, if that, if that pitcher uses up his two throws, then you know, what's going to go, what's going to happen, which I think they don't mind seeing steal, stolen bases either, which yeah, is well, cool. But, but I think you have to be you, gone up like huge. I don't think they've gone up tremendously, but uh, I think, I think you will see that over time, over a longer period of time in the majors, at least. Uh, I think the hope is that, that you'll see more action like that. But I still think the reaction to that is, a pitcher is going to toss over once, but then not necessarily toss, you know, he's going to keep that second one in his back pocket to, to keep that, that uh, advantage at least. So we'll see, I guess, but that's a, that's an interesting point. We'll see. That's going to be what it's going to be fascinating about 2023 is see how those things actually play out. Uh, I've got the, I've got the minor league stats here. Okay. So the a reason to rejoice Pitch timer has shaved games by 26 minutes on average in minor league baseball. That's just massive. Stolen base attempts have increased from 2.23 to 2.83, and they had a 68% success rate, and now they have a 77% success rate. Mm, so in the minor in minor league baseball. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why we're seeing this stuff. So yeah. Um, I think a couple other things just to talk about real quickly, uh, the throwovers count as a disengagement from the pitching rubber. You're only allowed two of those. If you do it a third time, it's a balk. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. And then if the batter isn't ready, um, at eight seconds, it's a strike. Yeah. Well, that's so, going to happen. And I've heard, uh, I think it's probably, uh, the, I reference this podcast all the time, but the compound with uh, Ian Happ and uh, Zach Short, and I always forget the third guy's name in the Cubs organization, but they've been, they've like been in AAA. Uh, those two of those guys have been in AAA this year, like dealing with those rules. And I think it was Zach Short that actually got a strike called on him early in the season. And he's like, what the fuck? And, you know, it's just like getting used to it. He's like, well, that's the rule. I guess I got to get used to it. It never happened to him again. You know, you, you learn once, once you get a free strike right. given away, yeah. it, you won't. It, so all these issues, I think we're, we're definitely going to see some weird shit in, in uh, late March and early May or early April. I think that stuff's going to get ironed out in a couple of weeks. Like everyone's going to get used to it. They're going to have to, they have to enforce all this, of course, but it's going to get enforced. It's going to happen to a couple people and it's, it's going to be, you know, the whole world's going to talk about, it. we'll talk about it. It's, it could be at a critical moment, but I think it's just going to become second nature eventually. It's going to, yeah, I agree. It's going to be, uh, become a non-issue, just like sticky stuff. Mm. Is yeah, it back kinda. in the game? Maybe. I yeah. mean, do they really check anyone? I don't know. They touch their hands sometimes. I well, mean, checking that one guy's hair the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Check. It, yeah, he, well, he's a jackass. So, but anyway, you so want to move on to rule uh, number two? Yeah, rule number two. Uh, which one do we want to do? Bigger bases? Let's do an easy one. Bigger bases. That is directly. There's two reasons for that. The the safety aspect. We've talked about that with for, at least first base. 
uh, given that first baseman who's not even looking at the bag. Uh, oh, there'd been put, a lot of his, near injuries. Yeah, putting way. his Achilles out there for all to hack apart, uh, giving a little more space for that so the runner can... Uh, it went from, what, 15 inches to 18 inches? Yeah, 18 inches it's going to be next year. It's going to be a pizza box. But the, yeah, it's going to look odd. I, I mean, I, I do a whole segment, aesthetics uh, of baseball and how things look, the uniforms, all, all that stuff, the logos. But the field is certainly part of that as well. The, the, it's definitely going to look strange having the giant giant bases out there. But again, I think that's something we're all going to get used to within a month. It, it, or it'll be jarring even like in two years from now when you see video of old games you know, oh, they've got fucking tiny bases. What's going on? So, <laughs> What's up with these baby bases on the field? Yeah. The other idea of that is it makes it incrementally closer, the distance between first and second base, which might encourage even more stolen bases, which I think the game, the game lacks and the game sorely needs a little more action on the bases that might encourage a little more bravery from, from runners. So I'm 4.5 inches, buddy. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I you know I, I've I just I don't fear change. I, I love seeing things change. You know, if it's a disaster, if it if there's unintended consequences, if everyone hates it for whatever reason, we'll just change back, change it back next year. You know, change it back to the way it was. But let's let's try it. I think I think it's worth it. Yeah, I don't I don't see it, but having an overall positive effect. And to your point, it'll be interesting. I, I think we're going to see a lot more quick pitches from um mm. from pitchers to offset the stealing of bases that's interesting you might have a you might have 20 seconds to pitch but you know unless that batter is taking a sweet time waiting to eight seconds you can still unload it right at eight seconds you know what i mean and in fact if he's got any part of his body in the box you feel free to throw it you know i mean like that that's a legal pitch man unless unless the ump is called time um the one good thing uh, in the minors, I, I've got this thing up with the stats. So 13.5% base running injuries, they're down 13.5% in the minors, which is the main one of the main reasons to do this to, to, to what you were saying earlier. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think something people don't take into a, a account or don't talk about, I think it's going to be a little easier to turn a double play too. Like you, you, yeah. it's four, it's 4.5 inches closer between first and second and second and third for stealing bases and advancing. But it's also that much closer when a ball gets hit in the hole and you got to make a play on the base. And the first baseman is now a little bit closer, that much closer to receiving the ball. Plus now it gives, gotta, it gives that middle infielder more room. You know, he can get to that bag a little bit quicker, you know, running, yeah. running through. So yeah, it's, it's going to change for both, but yeah, I, I, that that also helps the safety aspect, the double play turn at you know at second. There's more room for the runner and more room for the second or shortstop to to find find room to put their foot on the bag without colliding. So, right. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how that plays out. But the I third, think, yeah, the biggest one, I think. yeah, eliminations of shifts, and I've talked about this for a long time. They implemented it pretty much exactly how I hoped they would. They just literally just set, made it as simple as possible. All four infielders need to have both feet in the dirt. Two of them have to be on one side of second and two of them have to be on the other side of second. You know, simplicity is always best in my mind. That's the simplest rule. They don't have to draw any new lines on the field or anything like that. Just 
just have to, when the pitch is thrown, you have to be on the dirt and on each side a second. So, you know, I've heard people complain about it. It's like, well, just let the, you know, I don't want to take strategy away from, from managers and, and then people get all, you know, up in arms, just hit the ball the other way. Well, we've seen the proliferation of, of the shift over the last <laughs> decade, and we have not seen anyone be able to hit the ball the other way. You know why? Because it's not that fucking easy. You know, fans can sit here and just say, "Why don't you just hit the ball the other way?" Well, there's a reason. You can, it's not that simple. If if it was that simple, they would do it. And the data and everything we've seen shows it, it is not that simple. And for that reason, I love the idea that we are getting rid of shifts. Again, another rule we could try it. If it somehow ruins baseball, it will we can not. Always, we're going to enjoy. It. <laughs> if we if we've determined that the the world is ending because we have eliminated shifts, they can just go back next year and put shifts back in. But can you imagine the the columnist or the fan or anyone having the conversation? God damn, I missed the shift. I, mean, I just I'm having a hard time thinking that anyone's gonna gonna lament the, that the shift is fine is gone. Yeah. Just make that. I just, I get the, I get the idea that you want, don't want to take strategy, you know, don't take strategy out of the game or you don't want to limit, you know, smart front offices that have figured out exactly where the ball is going to be hit. But at the same time, do we, there are other ways to have strategy, you know, the, that's not the only, the only strategic uh, thing to to deal with on a baseball field. There's plenty of room for strategy in the game. And just because you're eliminating shifts, does not mean you're eliminating strategy. So we, yeah, we've been I, outspoken about this for, for years. It's it's time for the shift to die. I'm glad it's going away. If it if it again, if it ruins baseball, taking away the shift, they'll bring it back. Folks, if it was so easy to hit the ball the other way, the shift wouldn't exist. Exactly. The shift would not exist. Pitchers pitch a certain way to get the batter to roll over and pull the ball to that side of the field. They pitch to their weakness. When they miss, then good things happen for the hitter. Sometimes you beat the shift. You hit the ball so hard, right. it gets through the shift. Or Gavin Sheets, God bless him, he has probably hit against the shift. At least 12 hits have been hit to the to left field. Well, just think year. about yeah. how how happy every left-handed batter is. I mean, there are there are shifts for right-handed batters too, but the majority yeah. are definitely, have definitely curtailed left-handed bats. So I, I think I tell you who's happy right here is is one Pete Pete Peter Peter Veneri, White Sox fan, because we have Yasmani Grandel for one more year. And without the shift. If he has lost his power, he will still be getting on base at an alarming rate mm, now. You need that. And and we just, you know, sometimes you need base runners, even the slow ones who need a segue to get around the bases. But <laughs> a base runner is a base runner. The the interesting part, did you know this part? I just, I just, uh, I, the, the, I've, I not really like had read the super details of this till today. I I never real I didn't realize that like a shortstop is not allowed to play second base and a second baseman is not to, not allowed to play shortstop like you have to stay in your positions hmm. before with the this pitch. new rule with this new rule well yeah I mean essentially because you have to have two guys on each side a second so somebody's no, got to be with, but with the shift sometimes your shortstop would move into the second base position and the second and baseman not... would move to the shortstop well they wouldn't you be can't... in that position but they would just 
you know, you could move your, so they're not even allowing no, someone that's listed, do that. it has listed to be as your shortstop. You cannot go on the other side of second, second base. They, they can't, they can't, they can't switch positions at all. I can't figure out why that would, why anyone would want to do that, but that's, that's interesting. I mean, sometimes you saw a third baseman come over and play short right field, but that, that's, that's, you know, impossible now, but that's interesting. I wonder if that was just, they wanted to write that extra part in just to make it so there was no, no chance for a loophole or something they hadn't thought of. Yeah. Maybe, maybe somebody tried something in the minors that made them write that in. I can't quite figure that one out, but. I mean, I think the only major loophole is if you want to risk bringing an outfielder and have a fifth infielder on the yeah. grass, you could do that. You could essentially bring, you could bring your right fielder, like, like say, say you want to, you're you're certain this guy's gonna be more of a ground ball situation. You could bring your right fielder in to cover that grassy yeah, the I mean, hole and hope for the best. But you, I think you'll see stuff like that. I mean, but yeah. that there's a, with you know there's a risk reward to that, and there there's your strategy right there. Do you want to do that, yeah. or do you want to risk not having not having your outfield covered as well? So yeah, I think I, I, I love it. I'm excited. I'm I want to see how it works. I think it's going to be fantastic. I don't think anyone's going to lament lament the death of the shift, but you never know. People are going to find something to complain about. So I'm looking forward to 2023 for a, a lot of reasons. Well, I'm, yes. I'm looking forward to a big finish by the Watson. <laughs> well, before, before we wrap up this show, I'm going to throw in a, a, an impromptu asshole of the week. What is your problem? You insensitive asshole. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. And I'm not sure if you even saw this, but uh, and we didn't discuss it before the show, but we talked about this a uh, month or so ago. We made... What uh, was it? Uh, 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 our, we actually made our Asshole of the Week the... Former uh, agent for Freddie Freeman. Uh, ah, I yes, his, yes, yes. I forget his last name. Close. I think his name last name is Close or Closer or something. Uh, we made him asshole of the week because it was reported that he did not inform Freddie Freeman of the final offer given to him from the Atlanta Braves, which ended ended up in him landing in Los Angeles, taking their offer. And you and I talked about what a fucking asshole that agent has to be because it that offer favored him. He got a bigger commission or whatever it yep. was, but he's literally with withholding information from his client for his own gain. Well, it was revealed this week that the the pundit, a radio pundit that you may or may not know, Doug Gottlieb is the one that was reporting that on his radio show. I, I believe it's on CBS radio. Uh, that has come out to be 100% false. Whoa, what? He has, Doug Gottlieb has now uh, admitted that that was a false statement. He did not have that, uh, either he didn't have that information corroborated by anybody. He may have been speculating, but that is not the way it was, uh, it was initially, uh, you know, said or digested by anyone out of, out of Doug Gottlieb's mouth. Uh, he is part of a libel lawsuit. I think this final admission that was posted on Twitter uh, last, I think it was last Wednesday, 
said that he did not have that information and it was not true. So we need to apologize to Freddie Freeman's agent, which I don't even have his fucking name here. I apologize. Uh, yeah. So not much of an apology, but uh, he's uh, he did not do what he was accused of and did not deserve our asshole of the week dishonor. Uh, probably six weeks ago or so he did give the information to Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman did fire him for other reasons. Apparently uh, it did, it did kind of make sense at the time why, why he would be fired at the time, but, and obviously a very emotional Freddie Freeman kind of, nothing about that situation really made sense. He, he was the face of the organization. Uh, they had a similar offer that seemed to make sense that yeah. he would, he would stay there, but he ended up going, Back to his hometown, of course, in Los Angeles, and things are working out quite well for for Freddie Freeman. So I don't feel too bad for him. But uh, either way, but at least now we know the full story that his agent was not an asshole, but the real asshole all along was Doug Gottlieb, our asshole of the week. Uh, I got the information for you, Casey Close. Casey is, Close. His, I was, that was close. Message. You were close. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't close. Uh, it was close. So hopefully um, he is getting clients. We speculated that would be the end of his agent business. Uh, hopefully that has not occurred. Hopefully this he had to go to court to stop the evil Doug Gottlieb and his libelous statements. Uh, hopefully that has not affected his business too much as we were calling for that to happen. Uh, hopefully things are working out for Casey Close. Um, before we close out this show, I got two questions for you. You may or may not know the answers. All right. One, a one, one's your opinion. But first one is, I I was looking at the standings today. I wasn't. I've been. I didn't pay attention. I scrolled down to the NL West because the Sox are going to be playing the Padres soon. Mm. The, are the do the Dodgers currently have the largest run differential in baseball history? It's plus like three hundred and thirty three. <laughs> I have That's never seen anything fucking like that. I and think I think we need to Google that and post that. Uh, you post it on Sox type thing. I'll post it at Major League A holes uh, or repost it. Um, yeah, look that up. That that would be. Uh, it's got to be close, and they've got time to build upon that. Well, they're probably going to break the 107 that the Giants posted last year. And not that that's a what record, are they at right now? What's the record? 102. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll blow through that. I'm not even yeah. sure what the National League record is. So maybe you need to send us all these stats via yeah. via Twitter later tonight or this week. Yeah, I'll uh, well, I'll be uh, yeah, we'll we'll I'll I'll get on that. Or I'll get on that uh, in the next couple of days. My final question to you is, um, and it's because uh, Miguel Cabrera, I believe, is the last person to do this. But do you think that? Um, Aaron Judge is going to sneak into the Triple Crown. He's only two points, point zero two points behind the batting average, taking the lead in batting average. Do you do you think it, he's going to do it or no? Where's he at on RBI? Uh, he's first in RBI and home runs. Oh wow! I don't know. Yeah, I guess I should have assumed he would. I knew he was way ahead in the home runs. Of course, uh, I didn't know about RBI. I, I don't see why he couldn't. I mean, he's doing everything else this year. Um, that's that's impressive. I think I think you and I maybe need to next week uh, talk a little bit more about Aaron Judge and also Albert Pujols, uh, who you is approaching the... 700 home runs. 
the miracle of Albert Pujols. Yes, the quote unquote miracle. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I always I'm a cynical motherfucker, but uh, I think the the old adage is, if it seems too good to be true, it probably isn't. So I I think I I think we need to talk about that a little bit more and look into the the history of Albert Pujols and the the accomplishments of Albert. And also Aaron Judge. This is fucking crazy. What what he's how far ahead of everyone else in baseball in an era where home runs are scarce. Uh, he is he's gonna set all sorts of records. So we might, yeah. like you said, we might see a triple crown here. He might break break sixty one. Who many feel is the still remaining uh, single season home run record outside of the steroid era. Uh, I think that just I think it raises an eyebrow in 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 a couple of regards. So maybe you and I can discuss that a little more next week on episode or whenever our next episode of In the Hole is, or if that's part of sock type thing, or we'll we'll figure it out. But yeah, we'll have plenty of baseball to talk about and interesting things coming down the stretch. Well, I just hope everything Aaron Judge is doing is legal because I don't I want so any, too. I, I don't want any tarnishment on the. White Sox 2023 right fielder. So, oh wow, that's good speculation right there. I've heard, I've heard that. I've heard that idea floated out there too. So, well, with that, I think we can wrap this episode up. Unless you had any shit, Pete forgot. No, I'm gonna get down there, make some dinner, and get ready for some White Sox baseball. I got gotta, about an hour, a little less than an hour to go. You gotta sit back, relax, and strap it down. You know it. This is playoff playoff atmosphere. I'm look, I'm looking forward to this. I have no skin in the game whatsoever, but I will be watching that on a Tuesday night. I, I Hopefully, I'll be watching it on a Wednesday night as well. Because if you lose this, it's kind of kind of over with. But <laughs> thanks. Uh, it is raining. It is raining right now, though. Well, you're doing better than us here in Mid Michigan because we've been getting torrential thunderstorms for the last two hours. Although I think it's calming down a little bit, and the power stayed on throughout this podcast. So I was a little worried about that, but. Uh, with that, you can catch us on social media at both at Sox Type Thing and at Major League A-Holes. You can catch us on the web at SoxTypeThing.com and MajorLeagueAholes.com. You can uh, find our merchandise at my clumsily aforementioned aesthetics.store, A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S dot S-T-O-R-E. You, <laughs> you can find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I'm going to say this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time.